0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, November 27, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. The Supreme Court has sent a key property rights case back to a lower court. The question presented was about a federal designation of critical habitat for the dusky gopher frog. Before the court's decision today, Holly Fretwell of the Property and Environment Research Center argued that no matter how the court ended up ruling, there's no victory here for The frog. And that's all because of how the feds have interpreted the Endangered Species Act. We spoke in October at the State Policy Network annual meeting.
1: The critical issue of this case is that the frog is going to lose regardless. But what's actually happening is the dusky gopher frog is an endangered species, and it has been put on the list, and the Fish and Wildlife Service has found some potential habitable land— that is potentially suitable for the dusky gopher frog, but is not currently habitat for the dusky gopher frog. And they have designated it as critical wildlife habitat for the dusky gopher frog. This is on private land, and the private landowner can no longer develop on this land, which was the intention, and is at stake of losing about $30 million as a result of the designation of the critical wildlife habitat. So the case was taken to the Supreme Court to determine whether the Fish and Wildlife Service could designate critical wildlife habitat on an area that is suitable but not currently inhabited by a protected species.
0: Okay. And uh, as you note, that you say the frog will lose either way because this isn't current habitat for the frog. Um, But what's the bigger issue with regard to conservation?
1: The bigger issue with regard to conservation is that the Endangered Species Act, as it is presently, is not actually enhancing habitat for the species that are either threatened or endangered. In fact, it is encouraging landowners to not provide habitat so that their land will not be restricted, because even a threatened species, which one would think we would treat slightly different than an endangered species, is treated identical to an endangered species under the law currently. But when the law was set out, it was intended that a threatened species would be treated differently in the sense that we want to make sure that we're enhancing habitat for the threatened species rather than preventing landowners from providing habitat.
0: Okay. So with respect to the Endangered Species Act, uh, you know, we've talked about this before, but it really bears repeating. There are uh, impositions that the federal government makes under the Endangered Species Act that actively work against conservation. I spoke with Jonathan Wood a while back, uh, who's affiliated with the Property and Environment Research Center, and he said, look, if you examine all of the animals that have landed on either threatened or or endangered, as those two separate categories exist under federal law, very few, if any, animals land on those lists and ever recover.
1: That's correct. It's it's interesting because the Endangered Species Act has been successful at preventing most species from going extinct. Only 2% of the species that have ever been on the list have actually gone extinct. But it has also prevented any species or most species that have been put on the list from being recovered. Less than 2% of the species that have been put on the list have ever come off the list as recovered species. So
0: explain to me, what is the mechanism by which this law that is meant to enshrine conservation uh, in federal law, how has that prevented the recovery of species?
1: Under the Endangered Species Act, if you have a threatened or endangered species that is living or potentially living on your land, you are prevented from doing any activity that may impact that protected species. And that includes any activity that might actually help recover the species. You can't do any activity without a federal permit.
0: So the 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 incentives are strange for landowners uh, because they may be encouraged if there's a, a species that may be threatened. It's you're, it's but might behoove you financially to make your property inhospitable.
1: Yes. Most of us have heard the term shoot, shovel, or shut up if we have looked at Endangered Species Act. And it's a very real term in the sense that if you are afraid that you might have a threatened or endangered species on your land or you're creating habitat for one of those potentially protected species, then you might want to get rid of that species before somebody else finds it so that you continue to manage your land.
0: What are the proposals from the Interior Department to try to I guess massage the incentives here to get landowners behind the notion that, hey, you know, you're not going to lose this tremendous amount of value in your land if uh, you actually work to help recover, or uh, for those uh, species that are on the verge to help them help their populations stay big enough that these animals do not fall into one of these categories.
1: The Department of Interior has proposed a reform that would actually take us back to the beginning of what the Endangered Species Act was intended to be, and it would treat threatened species differently than endangered species. It would treat threatened species in a way that we could actually get out there on the landscape and try to recover the species, and we could do some action to recover the species before it becomes endangered. And this would actually motivate landowners that have a threatened species on their land to do some recovery effort to prevent it from becoming an endangered species because once it becomes endangered, they know they're going to lose rights to doing activities on that land. So it's actually a motivator if we can say as a threatened species, you can get out there and do something, but it's in your best interest to do something that's going to recover the species so that you're not restricted on what on your land uses.
0: How did that change? If, if the Endangered Species Act was originally envisioned as a, you know, uh, threatened was a warning and uh, might have encouraged landowners to uh, do a little bit to try to help recover species. Um, how did that change to where that distinction between endangered and threatened went away?
1: It was about three to five years after the Endangered Species Act uh, was passed and the Fish and Wildlife Service just decided that they were going to treat threatened species just like an endangered species. And I I don't know what the impetus for that was.
0: So uh, there are some efforts to help uh, species that are on the verge of being threatened, which is, as as we mentioned, that was sort of the original intent of the Endangered Species Act, uh, on the verge of being threatened to recover so they don't land on that list. And uh, as I understand it, some groups are trying to enlist landowners in the effort to to keep species from falling into the threatened category.
1: The Environmental Defense Fund recently created a habitat exchange program for the monarch butterfly, and they are actually looking to farmers to plant milkweed because that is what the monarchs need for their migration passage. And they've created an online platform that ranchers and farmers can actually go to and put bids on, a reverse bid, if you will, in that the environmental defense is actually paying these farmers to put the milkweed on their landscape. And the farmers are actually going to the website to put in a bid as to how much they would need to be paid in order to encourage them to put the milkweed on their landscape. Milkweed is a weed, just like it sounds. It can spread, but it's a manageable weed. And it's also very beneficial to the monarch. So in this deal, it's a win-win end in the sense that the Environmental Defense Fund is getting what they want. They're getting the the food for the monarch. Uh, Ranchers and, and farmers that are part of this program are voluntarily becoming part of this program. They're actually being compensated for the efforts that they're putting into it. But what would put the kibosh on this program is if the Endangered Species Act comes down and lists the monarch butterfly, which is on the verge of a listing and becomes an endangered species, or even as current law would say, a threatened species would put it under that same risk. And in that sense, all of these farmers and ranchers that are becoming part of this program uh, would get a bad deal at the end of the day because they would have restrictions on what they can do on their lands as as a result.
0: Holly Fretwell is a research fellow at the Property and Environment Research Center in Bozeman, Montana. You can subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes, Google Podcasts, and when you think about it, say Alexa, play the Cato Daily Podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at Kato Podcast.